Hi, it's Ashley, and this is the Kick-Ash Life Podcast. Yeah, I'm working on that Kick-Ash Life thing because I surely don't have it figured out yet. But I do know that one thing that gives me joy, and it's in the little things, right? One thing that gives me joy is picking a topic and going down the rabbit trail. Also, I love an idiom. Turns out a rabbit trail, by design, is intended to evade prey. So on purpose, the rabbit trail leads nowhere. It goes nowhere. But let's see where this solo episode goes. Maybe it'll lead somewhere. Let's see. I have always been fascinated by the meaning of names, except my own. Ashley means, I kid you not, Ashley means field of ash trees. And growing up, I was always like, um, okay, yeah. But it comes down to what's the importance of a name? When someone remembers your name, it feels good. Or what about this instant pressure when we're in a social situation and we are about to have to make an introduction and suddenly we can't recall someone's name? And I don't know about you, but the machinations I will go to in that instance to try to figure this out or to get somebody else to say the name, it's its a whole thing. I know you've done it. I know you have. Or what about this? Do you remember being a kid and going to some tacky tourist spot and going to the gift shop and finding your name on a keychain? Instant mood booster, yeah? Or what about turning that rack of keychains again and again, looking for your name and it's not there? Instant downer. There's power in a name. We associate so much value and so much meaning to our names. So all of this came up the other day. I was emailing with someone about Hurricane Dahlia, the one that hit Tampa last week and blessedly, blessedly came in much weaker than it was anticipated. But I thought it was so interesting that the name Idalia means behold the sun. The name is Spanish in origin with ties to Greek mythology, which uses the word Idalia as a description for the goddess of love and beauty, Aphrodite. So this storm that created so much interest actually means behold the sun. And side note, the person with whom I was chatting, their name is linked to the phrase victory of the people. And I can see that I really can building of and for the people. If you're a friend of mine, just know that I do this for fun. I I just need to go look and see what your name means. It's so interesting and it's telling, but our discussion got me thinking, what is actually in a name? And of course, anytime I start thinking, I start researching, you know, maybe hashtag curious, but more likely hashtag distracted. Anyway, I'm going to share with you what I found. And then I have some ideas about how to get curious about this for our own names in our own lives, in our own search for meaning and purpose and our own interest about the names of others, you know, whose lives touch ours. Let's dig in. I'm going to very happily geek out about the research here, and I hope you'll find this fun. 
So when I first started looking into this, I wondered, what is the significance of a name in different faith traditions? So my research took me through Christianity, Judaism, Islamic traditions, and then Buddhism and Taoism, and a little bit of New Age spirituality. I began with Judeo-Christian concepts. I am a recovering Southern Baptist, and I have this instinct to reject religion. I'm working on that. But in all things, I look to faith, and sometimes in faith, I look to the scripture. I actually wrote a blog post about growing up scripture-based, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you. It is actually quite a story. And if you didn't grow up this way, you might... (laughs) You might be shaking your head a little bit, but there's there's beauty in it, really. So I am no scripture scholar, and there's probably a lot I'm going to miss here that true students of the word might take issue with. But this is simply me following curiosity. I'm just pulling a thread, if you will. So in the Judeo-Christian tradition, first there is name as prophecy. So sometimes names were given prophetically or symbolically indicating a child's future role or destiny. One example is that Isaiah prophesied that a young woman would give birth to a child. You know this story. And this child, she would name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This child of prophecy would be a sign of God's presence. And I love this name because my great-grandfather's name was Emmanuel. He was a simple farmer, and he was indeed a man of deep faith who believed that God is with us. I loved him. He would also do this thing. I'm going to tell you a little side story that I hadn't planned on sharing, but he had this recliner and he would come in from the field and he always wore overalls and he would fill his pockets with coins. And then he'd look at me and my cousin David and he would lean back in the recliner and all the change would fall out of his pockets. And he'd take a little rest and at some point he'd get up and he'd kind of grin and wink at us and go off to the kitchen to get whatever delicious whatever my granny Annie had made. And David and I would go full on in and collect the coins. I still have some of those coins. They mean the world to me. And that memory does too. But anyway, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Next, I learned that there is a symbolic change in name. That's the way name could show up scripturally. So sometimes in the Bible and in the Torah, there's talk of instances where people's names are changed, signifying a transformation or a new phase in their lives. One example is Abraham and Sarah, who received those names, those changed names, actually, to signify that they were to be parents of many nations. Or there's Jacob, whose name becomes Israel after struggling with God. Israel means struggle with God. So a name change can signify a transformation. And then, I love this one, there's this notion that our names are spiritually given. 
in the verse Isaiah 49.1, it reads, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. If you take that at face value, that would mean that God knew our names before we were born. And I wondered, and I started to research, are we given a spiritual name, a sort of pre-birth agreement with the divine about our purpose here on earth? Now, the research suggests that this may be more a concept based in New Age spirituality, but I do think there's something to Isaiah 49.1, from my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And it makes me think, you know, my children love to play this game. They say, anytime we're in the car, really, they're like, hey, mom, if you hadn't named us our names, Caitlin McKenzie and William Parker, if you hadn't named us this, what would you have named us? And I am always completely stumped. I don't know how to respond. I mean, those kids are your chosen names. They just were, they just are. And if you've ever named a child, you know there was something just right about the name from the first moment you tried speaking it out loud, you just knew. Okay. And so finally, the research suggests that there is this biblical concept that we will be given a new name, a name of God's choosing. In the book of Revelations, it says that God will give us a new name, quote, to the one who is victorious, I will give that person a white stone, and on the white stone is written a new name, known only to the one who receives it. That is, if you follow the Bible, it promises to give us a new name in heaven, and that name would be only known to us and God. Do you remember C.S. Lewis? I mean, this is the guy who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This was one of my favorite book series when I was a kid. But he was prolific, and he wrote so much more. And in um, his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis wrote, What can be more a man's own than this new name, which even in eternity remains a secret between God and him? Why else were individuals created but that God, loving all infinitely, should love each differently? Huh. Yeah. If you're a parent of more than one child, you know this. We love each child infinitely, but each child differently, meaning each loved as they are, uniquely their own person. All right. So that covers Christianity, but what about specific to Judaism? What I read is that the names of the tribes of Israel are repeated many times throughout the Torah. I read several commentaries that perhaps this repetition stresses the importance of names in Jewish life and tradition. That is, in the Jewish faith, bound to the covenant of being God's people, this recitation of names could call on one to remember ancestors and traditions keeping these alive in the faith. I read that in the Hebrew tradition, names are considered often a reflection of an individual's essence and character. The choice of a name is not to be taken lightly because it can have a lasting impact 
on a person's very identity. And if you take it to the mysticism, to Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, there are rituals associated with remembering names. And the tradition says that this is important because in the name lies our own soul, our own self. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, what about Islamic tradition? In law school, I took a fascinating course on Islamic law. And I did my very best, but let me tell you, I did not ace that class. It was the first D I ever received. And if you know me even slightly, you know that that was devastating to me, okay? It was not a good moment. Professor Anaim was from the Sudan, and at the time he was brand new to Emory. Many years later, Professor Anaim remains a fellow at the Center for the Study of Law and Religion at Emory University. And I'll tell you that D, it was it was something that I grieved for years, and I'm not exaggerating that, years. I poured my heart into that final essay. And I think that's probably just it. I led with my heart, which at the time was so open and I was searching. I was searching for definition and meaning and commonality, common ground. And if I look at it today, I'm sure there are many nuances from that course that were maybe lost on this young girl from the Bible Belt who was attempting to learn through the lens of years of programming. Yeah. And I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven the good professor. Almost. (laughs) Almost. I'm still learning and I'm going to do my very best here for naming traditions in Islam with so much respect and honor and research. So the Prophet Muhammad, I read, encouraged giving good and meaningful names to children. It is important here that we choose names that reflect positive attributes like humility and gratitude and patience and piety, attributes that align with the teachings of the Quran. And similar to other traditions, Islam actually recognizes the potential for name changes to signify new beginnings or transformations. I just, I love that concept. And there are names associated with prophets, with righteous individuals, according to Islamic teachings. And so if one is converting to Islam, one may choose to change his or her name. And This isn't necessarily required from what I read, but it's important that one's name should not conflict with Islamic beliefs or teachings. So if your given name's meaning indicates a conflict with these teachings or suggests something at odds with these teachings, this would be a reason for change. Here's an example. This year, I was away at a volleyball tournament. My daughter and I were at a tournament in Louisville, Kentucky, and we toured the Muhammad Ali Museum with her team. And it was it was a humbling experience, truly. I learned so much. And if you ever get a chance, please go. It was 
fascinating and raw and chronicles an important time in our nation's history. So Muhammad Ali's original name was Cassius Clay, and he rejected this name because of its history in and ties to slavery. So at age 22, the former heavyweight boxing champion, some would say the greatest boxer to ever live, took the name that was given to him by his spiritual mentor, Elijah Muhammad, who led the nation of Islam. And Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. Let me bring it to a point. In the Christian and Jewish and Islamic traditions, there is a profound relationship between spiritual and cultural and personal significance that is associated with a name, as well as with the concepts of identity and destiny and faith. So it's so different then from the role of a name in Buddhism and Taoism. Okay? The the juxtaposition is just so rich. In Buddhism, there's the teaching of no self and non-attachment. And this means there is no permanent or unchanging self. Names are just labels. And so clinging to one's name as a fixed identity can contribute to suffering. And the suffering comes from holding fast to an illusion of some separate self, this concept of, you know, we say it all the time, this is just who I am. This concept, according to the Buddhist teachings, does not serve us. Instead, we are invited to contemplate impermanence. You like that word? Impermanence. Because everything in existence is subject to change. So letting go of attachments, including any attachment we have to our names, according to Buddhist tradition, this letting go is key to liberation. It's similar in Taoism. And I first discovered Taoism in college in a book called, wait for it, The Tao of Pooh. Yeah, I mean like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it's a great book. I mean, really, it is so lovely. I was taking a class in Chinese literature at the time, and I became really interested in ancient Chinese philosophy as a result. And the Tao of Pooh illustrates the philosophy in the most charming way. But to be clear, this was not recommended reading. I am so grateful that I stumbled across this book in my, I don't know, forever searching. Yeah. It's a beautiful guide. But as in Buddhism, Taoist teachings caution against an attachment to labels. We are encouraged to look past superficial distinctions. So when we name things, the concept is one of caution. So we can create a sense of duality and separation by naming things because Under these traditions, this goes against the harmonious flow. But if we let go of attachments to names and titles, we can just move in simplicity. We can cultivate a more authentic and spontaneous way of being. 
So the theory goes. It says, let's go beyond labels and attachments. And in doing so, we cultivate a deeper understanding of our underlying unity and the flow of our very existence together. But, all right, in juxtaposition to that, here's another nuance, and I think it's so interesting. Because in the Judeo-Christian traditions, God gave Adam the authority to name the animals and the creatures in the Garden of Eden. So if you read Genesis 2, 19 and 20, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And this this series of verses, this moment symbolizes maybe... I don't know, human dominion and a certain stewardship, a responsibility for creation. And naming was a way to establish humans' understanding of nature and our authority over it and our responsibility for it. But maybe by contrast, in the traditions of Buddhism and Taoism, these emphasize the natural unity and interconnectedness of things. And so in these traditions, use of a name leads to categorization and separation, which hinders our recognition of the very inherent unity of our existence with nature. Yeah, I had to read that to be sure I got it right, but I thought it was so beautiful. So in these traditions, The use of names leads to categorization and separation, hindering our recognition of the inherent unity of our existence with nature. Oh man, I love that. I could go deep on that for a while. But I think it's interesting that not all Buddhists and Taoists refrain from eating meat. Many do. And these traditions, you know, they practice compassion focused on relieving the suffering of all beings. And this includes animals. And I wonder if it's related to this distinction, this distinction of dominion over nature versus being one with nature that distinguishes the traditions themselves. And I don't know, think on that and let me know where you land, yeah? Because for me, I have chosen for a very long time not to eat meat years ago at a point in my life where I've felt a great deal of personal suffering, I just reached a point where I didn't want to take on the suffering of animals on top of my own suffering. Really, it just came down to that. That is, That was the breaking point. That was the decision point. And I've never looked back, but that's just me, truly. And we each have our own journey. And each of our bodies responds in their own way and has their own needs. And then we've got our whole layers of tradition and family and heritage and belief systems that just overlay the whole thing. But I just thought the difference was really interesting. I'm totally sidetracked here, yeah? Back to names. So taking all of this research, I dug into my own name, which I'm going to share with you just as an example of how we might 
mind the depths of this name issue. As I said, Ashley means a meadow of ash trees. That's it, meadow of ash trees. It's English in origin, as is my last name, which is Filling Jim. And that's a doozy, right? Um, And as a kid, I was always, I told you, I was always a little bummed that my first name meant field of trees. Like surely, surely there was something more. So this week I dug a little deeper and why it took me so long to dig into this, I'll never know, but I'm going to trust the timing. Yeah. Ash trees are known for strength and resilience and adaptability to different environments. They are known for rapid growth and a capacity for renewal. Get this, even after being completely cut down, an ash tree can regenerate and grow back from their roots. Overcoming challenges and setbacks is what ash trees are made for, as it turns out. Also, I read that ash trees have a branch structure that indicates balance. They have also deep roots, which can indicate a grounded nature. Some might question that one in me. And the name itself can indicate a connection to nature and a harmony with the natural world. All of this resonates so much. And so I have to wonder, is Ashley a name spoken over me while I was in my mother's womb as described in Isaiah 49.1 that I read to you earlier. I think it's so interesting because I was adopted at birth and my second sister of my birth mother, it turns out after we found one another years later, she is named Ashley too. Our name is a word spoken over each of us, over both of us. And my youngest sister is Chelsea She's also of my birth mother, and Chelsea is English in origin too. It means landing place. And Chelsea right now is on her own journey, having just landed in Tampa, starting anew. Ah, my sisters, we are just learning one another, and what a gift. But also on the point of changing names that we covered earlier, I went back to my father's name, Fillingjum soon after the divorce. Um, my dad, last name is Filling Jim. It's the name I grew up with. It felt safe to return to the name I'd had as a child, as a young woman. And the name was also, at that time, like going back to that name was a representation of transformation and change in my life. And I have to wonder now if there's also something to be said for releasing my attachment to this name, because when we are too attached, there is suffering, at least in the Buddhist tradition. And I know this to be true, because honoring a familial connection is one thing, but to be too closely attached can create suffering. I mean, the Buddha said it, so it's got to be true, right? Releasing the expectations of family with love can be useful, I find, because without expectations, without the should, air quotes, should, we start to be able to see things as they are with love 
and it can ease resentment and it can foster forgiveness, which in all things is key. Why do I tell you all of this? Yeah. Well, I wonder what you might find if you dig into your name for a bit, into its origins and its meaning. And if the surface definition doesn't resonate, could you dig a little deeper? Is there something else there? Is there something that will inform your thinking? And what do you think? Is it a name spoken over you before birth? Spiritually, is it a name that's chosen for you by a creator? Also, what is it about your name that inspires you or expands you or, I don't know, scares you, empowers you? In the Kabbalic tradition, is your name tied to your very soul, to yourself? Or, or, is there something in your name that is no longer aligned, something that calls for release, for non-attachment, for non-judgment? You know, this notion that our existence is subject to change, this idea of impermanence, would letting go of attachment to a name free us? Would it liberate us? Is there something in an attachment to a name, especially a family name, that if released would relieve the weight of roles and expectations and maybe let us see a situation more clearly, maybe help us to identify a loving path forward more easily. I just, I don't know. I just thought all of this was so interesting and I'll include some journal prompts in the show notes because I do love a journal, some pen to paper to help sort things out. So I want to thank you for going on this name journey with me. Stay curious, yeah? <laughs> I I did note to myself though that what they say about curiosity and the cat is not good. Thankfully, I tend to relate more to dogs, so I'm going to be out here wagging my tail doing zoomies happily. But I want to say on doggy names or on your pet's names, what's in a name there? Because I've got to tell you, Apollo is my great Pyrenees. He is 97 pounds of majestic white flowing fur. And I named Apollo for the Greek god, Apollo, who is the god of light and also of music and truth and healing and so many beautiful things. And Apollo, my dog, he is all of that, all of that. He lives into his name every day. Last year, we also adopted a lab mix puppy after my daughter fell in love at the local humane society pray for me. (laughs) And my daughter named the dog Maisie, which if you'll notice is just Mackenzie missing a few letters. So she wanted to be very clear that the dog is hers. Well, as it turns out, what does Maisie mean? Maisie means child of light. So we've got Apollo, who is God of light and Maisie, child of light, and they are yin and yang, but they are perfectly matched because all things work together for good. Yes. Isn't this fun? I'm curious. I mean, dig into your own name, but what's the story with your pets? 
as always, on these solo episodes and also on the subject of light, I want you to know, whatever your name, whatever your faith tradition, whatever your journey, may you know that you are love and light, you are health and wealth, you are joy and strength, and you are fire and grace.